Wonderful. Thanks so much for reading that. That's great. Well, good morning, everyone. Morning. Great to be with you. I think it's possibly the first time I've preached at this service, possibly once, but I've been ill quite a few times. I've been on the rotor. It's been one of those frustrating things. Um, I've been at home suffering. Well, today, now you have to suffer because I'm preaching. (laughs) Um, Can you think of a time uh, when you've met someone and they've just been beautifully humble? Like As you've spoken to them, they've just radiated that humility. Um, maybe they've been happy to tell you a bit about themselves, but they're just so interested in you. And it's a really precious thing. I remember I once, once met a man who was an organist, and I was chatting to him, this is quite a few years ago, and there was just something about him that radiated this inner love for Jesus. I just couldn't help but see it. And uh, he turned out to be the organist at Holy Trinity Brompton, and he's just such a gentle, humble guy, and I was just struck by it. And the reason I mention that is because all this term, we've been looking at stories of Jesus coming and eating with people, humbling himself and eating with people. And today in this story from Luke 14, there's sort of three little stories, three little sections. And I think throughout each of these stories, the thread that intertwines them all is that humility of heart. So, story number one. Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath in front of the Pharisees and the lawyers. The Pharisees have pretty strict regulations about what you can and you can't do on the Sabbath. And and it wasn't really from a bad motive, probably. It was trying to do the right thing, trying to help people to keep the Sabbath, keep that commandment. And one of them, of course, was you cannot work But this man with the swelling comes up to Jesus, and he's ill. He knows his need of him. He has nothing, nothing to offer, no pride in his actions, no great thing that he's done. The Jewish regulations hadn't got him very far. He was in pain, perhaps even in agony for years. But he had one thing. One thing, he had that humility of heart. He knew he needed Jesus. There was probably an intake of breath as everyone watched to see what would Jesus do. But Jesus' mission was to bring the kingdom of God, to bring salvation, to bring healing. And so full of compassion, what does Jesus do? He heals him. The poor Pharisees, can you imagine that moment? Um, He's just broken so much of what they thought the Sabbath stood for. It didn't fit with their understanding of religion, their regulations. And just for story number one, I just want to say this. The man who had the swelling, who had no respect, no status, he had something the Pharisees didn't have. He knew. He knew he needed Jesus. It's humility. It's the humility of heart. How does the Bible define humility? Well, the Bible talks about it again and again. It comes up all the time. You've got Micah 6 that says, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Or there's 1 Peter 5. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. James 4. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. What does it mean? Well, I I was doing a lot of digging into the word humility and it apparently... 
comes from the Latin word, I can't really say this, is it hummus or hummus? Um, not the food. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it's the meaning of, of the earth, of the earth. It's described as to be face down in the dirt, submitting to the authority of another. With personal pride, pride says, I'll do it my way. But humility says, I do it God's way. Proverbs 22 says, humility is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And the healed man knew he needed his God. He knew he needed Jesus. So that's story number one. Story number one. Story number two. So Jesus spots that some of the guests have chosen to sit in different seats at the wedding feast. And in that culture, we know that people would sit where they were allowed by the wedding host and they'd be sitting in status or their priority to the host. And it says, uh, verse 8, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, this is Jesus speaking, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host um, who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. And then humili hum humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place. So that when the host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the guests. For all those who exhort themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exhorted. And just as I said about how in Jewish banquets we would have the guests arranged in positions of, of their importance or their priority to the host, what Jesus is saying is the best way to act at a banquet, at a party, and really in life is to humble yourself. Not to self-elevate, not to self-promote, but to submit to God and therefore to love your neighbor as yourself as he commanded us to. I had a really interesting experience of this quite a few years ago. I, I spent a year with my wife when we first got married with the Christian charity LL. And uh, it was a year of um, teaching and discipleship training. And it was really helpful. But I used to meet up with this guy called Gary. And Gary would take me off for a coffee and we would pray about once a week. And I remember saying to Gary once, Gary, I really want to lead and I really want to preach and bearing in mind, this is quite a few years ago, and uh, I had a lot of issues, a lot of things going on in my life. And Gary basically said, no, no, no. You need to humble yourself and lower yourself. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then he said, and God will raise you up at the appointed time if he wants to. God will give you positions. And uh, it's not to say I'm greatly holy now either, but I believe God has given me the position to teach now, many years later, when perhaps I'm a bit more ready than I was then. I learned that humility, being humble in heart, was submitting to God's plan. It's not self-promotion, it's promoting God. It's humbling myself, metaphorically having my face in the dirt, so that I can raise Jesus high. Well, that's story number two. Story number three, are you still with me? Hopefully you're, you're, you're following this. Story number three, Jesus goes on to describe this invitation to follow him as a banquet. And he tells this last parable, verse 16. A certain man was preparing a great banquet 
and invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Well, in this story, the banquet starts out as an invitation to the Jews to come and accept Jesus as their saviour, as their Lord, to humble themselves under him, to accept him as their Lord, to enter relationship with him, which starts now and is forever. And we know that some Jews did respond. In fact, that's often how the gospel spread. Some Jews responded, but also, although some were humble in heart, some were hardened in heart and couldn't see it. The guests had excuses why they wouldn't come or they couldn't come. But really, they're excuses. And we've all been in situations where we've probably made excuses knowing really we didn't want to do the thing. So in the parable, when the servant reports back that they're not coming, the owner is righteously angry. There's a fear of the Lord that we're required to have for humility. Anyway, and he says something utterly countercultural, utterly surprising. He says, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And Jesus is going straight back to this theme of humility. He's saying, Invite those who know their need of God, invite those who know they haven't got all the answers together. Invite those who know that what they need is the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke 5, Jesus says to the disciples, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And we're all sick. But he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And we're all sinners too. It's an invitation for everyone. But the answer is, do we know it? Do we know it? He says, I've come to call all those who know their need. And the invitation is to anyone. You can see that in the passage, and everyone, particularly those that the world looks down upon. At Christchurch here, we have warm spaces on Tuesdays, which is just an example to, to open the doors, particularly for those who need a space to come with some food. And we get some wonderful people coming in through the doors. But they're people that sometimes the world might look down upon. We're called to bring the good news to everyone. And in the parable, the servant replies, yep, we've done all that, and there's still room. What do we do now? And the master is determined to fill his house. God is determined to fill heaven. That's great news. And so he says, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel. And actually that word compel, apparently in the Greek, it's better translated here as strongly urge. He's saying, go and strongly urge them to come in so that my house, so that heaven will be full. And I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Those who were invited that said no will not taste of the banquet. And Jesus is finishing here with the ultimate invitation. The kingdom of God, the final banquet, with the final party of being with God now and forever, is for all who will humble themselves and accept the invitation, who accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. So to finish, 
just want to give you three little pointers that stood out to me from this passage. The first one is, the invitation is for those who know their need of God. When I was a teenager, I was 13, I was on a youth weekend away, and this youth leader said, we're all sinners, and we need a saviour. And for the first time, it hit me in my heart, and I knew it. I just knew it. We need God. But number two, guests are invited to come as they are. You don't need to put on a pretense to come to Jesus. You might have been a Christian for years and years, but you just know recently you haven't prayed. And God says, come back to me. You don't need to put on a pretense. I love you. I know you. Come as you are. You don't need to dress up smart. You don't need to look in a certain way. You don't need to use certain language. Come to me as you are. We never stay as we are when we're Christians, but we come as we are. And then he naturally, by his spirit, will grow us and change us and make us more like him. And finally, God is committed to filling his banquet hall, and so should we, and so should we. This party, Jesus' kingdom movement of eternity of God, will be the greatest party you've ever been to. And God is committed to filling it with those who know their need of him. And just as the master said to the servants, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them, so Jesus is saying to us in the great commission of Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations. Tell them about Jesus' love, about how he willingly died and rose again so that we might enjoy eternity with him. God is committed to filling his banquet hall with the humble in heart and he encourages us to share that good news today. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this invitation Thank you so much for this example of your love and your compassion to those who are humble in heart. Lord, help us to share that with others and to know it deep in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen.